What are we starting? Happy New Year, everybody, and things have not changed here <laughs> on Easy Street. We're from on Easy Street to be specific. My name is Kelly Turner, and in 2023, guess what? Oh, no, not still. I, I'm still not a doctor. Scott Wright, mediocre journalist. And Katie Givens, still not a lawyer. Sa- okay. New Year, same us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think we get a whole other <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we get a whole other year. Yes, at least. Oh, yeah. No worries. We have been having a great time in the studio for the last 30 minutes before Katie hit the button. Yes, we have. We have been having a great time. I wish we had recorded all of what we were just talking about, but we'll do that soon. We will. We've got some fun stuff prepared for you for season three. We've got some some new, interesting ways to do things this Mm -hmm. year. Yeah, we have to wear costumes now, uh, Kelly has just told me. Nobody's going to know, but apparently have to wear a costume every Sunday. Every every time we record, I'm going to see you in your uniform, Scott. I'm going to look like a Steeler fan. (laughs) (laughs) No, so welcome back. I hope everybody had a safe and happy New Year 2023. Wow. What are we going to do this this season? How are we going to top what we've done already? Oh, we're going to. We are, right? Absolutely. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited this it. is this I'm already saying that this season is my favorite season and we're on episode 1. So, season 4 is going to be a shit show. Yeah, definitely. After what we do this year. Yeah, I mean I'm All we're right, just stick gonna, around everybody. We're just going <laughs> to go for everything. Season three and then season four, who cares? We're just yeah. We'll worry about We're that when we get there. On season four. That's right. No, I'm just <clears throat> we will cross that bridge when we get there. We will. But I'm excited about some new things. So make sure you listen to all of our episodes. Mm-hmm. We were talking about what number of episodes this is. Katie, did you say this is 89? 89. This is episode 89. So we talk a lot. Yeah. If you go back. To season one, and you start, you know, with the age of 17, yes. and you come all the way to today. This is episode 89. So, as we barrel towards our 100th Are episode, we barreling? We're barreling. Okay. Full speed ahead. Full speed towards Out of our, control. Our 100th episode. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. Did you guys think we would do this 100 times? When we started this. I thought you guys were going to fire me after the fifth episode, and I'm still here, and I don't know why. Well, we did have a meeting. I don't doubt that at all. Your contract is, is a little too... <laughs> so many here right now. Yeah. You, you definitely had a good lawyer. Figured that out, so. Well, then you know that it wasn't Shane Gibbons. <laughs> He's in this building somewhere. Be careful. Yeah. Being a lousy lawyer, wherever he is. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us back. Hopefully you're not hungover. Mm, if you're, I am. If you're, oh, if, if, we're, if I'm being honest, I am. If it's Wednesday, so if you're still hungover, I mean. Oh yeah, when you're listening to this, yeah. Let's 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 think about having no alcohol January. If you're still hungover. <laughs> oh yeah, you can join me with my dry January. We'll keep you. Are you doing dry I January? Dry January, really? yes. Nice. Well, I look forward to the challenge of making you screw that up. <laughs> It's got a lot of willpower. I'm here for you, Katie. I'm here for you. <laughs> I don't have like a problem. I think I'll be fine. <laughs> Just a health and wellness journey. Oh, well, I love right. that. I love that. So that's that's good. So Scott, what did you do for New Year's Eve? Uh, I was I had dinner at Easy Street with a friend of mine, and then I was home by nine o'clock. We did karaoke in front of the YouTube channel on our television set, and before we knew it, it was one thirty in the morning, and we had missed the whole damn thing. You missed. <laughs> Yes. New Year's. 
Because you were singing Because karaoke. we were singing karaoke into the microphone. And when I say microphone, it was the remote control that I was holding. But I do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, come over anytime, late at night. That's usually what I'm doing. We sort and of I'm terrible at it. We sort of missed the new year too because we had we were at Easy Street and the band was counting down, but the TVs were up too with whatever ball drop was happening at the right. time, and the TV was not synced right with the actual time. It was a little behind, and so we're watching the TV and we're like, the band's off, and Shane and I are looking at each other, and then we we missed the whole thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it is midnight. So we all missed New Year's. Well. Katie and I did. Kelly, give us a, bring us home. Okay, well, so I had a, a pretty boring New Year's, but it was really more boring nice. than mine. Yeah, it was nice. We we stayed at home, and we, my husband, my son, and myself, we were at home. Yeah, the seventeen year old had other plans. Of okay, yeah. so, and your husband is a just a ball of fun. So <laughs> I can't wait to see how this ends. So we we cooked dinner. We watched football uh, literally all day. Okay. We watched football. You're a football fan. Yeah, and there were some really good games on. Oh, yeah. Great games yesterday. Yes. Or yes. New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And we saw the New York New Year's Eve. Okay. Which is an hour ahead. Right. Eastern us. time. We're Central time. So then KT's like, I'm out of court of bed. I can't believe you made it that <laughs> So Nate and I stayed up. And we saw the uh, New Orleans okay. one, right. the Fleur de Lis. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And so I think that's how you say that, but I probably butchered it. I think you No, got it. you nailed it. Yeah. So um, we watched that, which New Orleans is on the same time. We are. Right. So we got to see that. I think I ended up going to bed about 1230, but Nate and I were just, we were just hanging out. It was, it was And Nate is your son who is, how old is he He's now? 13. 13. Yeah. So we had a. He's we, a good kid. Yeah. We had a good time. I don't know how he's a good kid because I know his dad, but whatever. <laughs> I've enjoyed watching the, the recap of the Miley Cyrus New Year's Eve show. That's my new favorite. This is the second okay. year she's Enlighten done it in Miami. Me. What? Tell me. Oh yeah. Like she, she, her co-host this year was Dolly Parton. And so they did a lot of duets, and then they brought on other musical guests. And okay. so I've just been watching, like, the TikTok recaps this morning. And oh, that's awesome. And it's a good show. I'm sure it was. Mm-hmm. You can't run a doll. I no. think I have a little bit of a crush on Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. So I watched something on Netflix over the, the holidays because I just really didn't do a whole lot. My kitchen flooded because it had a pipe bust. And right. So my kitchen is a little bit in disarray, so I was like, you know what, forget Isn't it. Isn't that pretty standard at your house, though? Yeah, forget it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in the, uh, what we call the game room and watch, stream stuff through the PlayStation. And All right, bring it. Well, so you that's got, what I did. Bring, bring, bring me something new. I watched a very Murray Christmas. It's like Bill Murray. Murray. It's, it's old. Uh-oh. I think it's a few years old. Okay. But. Was it funny? He makes me laugh. Okay. And then he just. Yeah. He uttered literally two sentences, and I was already laughing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. But he had Miley Cyrus on there, too, so that's oh. what made me think about it. Random. Uh, so I watched that, and I watched, I binged the entire season uh, on Netflix again. Netflix is not a sponsor, but they could be. <laughs> they could be if they want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I binged the entire season of The Recruit on Netflix. I've seen the first two episodes. I like it. It's I good. I really like it. I really like that. Good, yeah. good TV. Yeah, good that's TV. that's the one where the uh, he's the lawyer who is dropped into the middle of the CIA. Yep. And doesn't really know what's going on, and so we learn <laughs> with him. Yeah. How that works. Yeah. And I've seen the first two, but yeah, I'm gonna finish that up. You know what? I'm gonna do it tonight. It's really good. 
really good Happy TV. The Steelers there's game. only like eight episodes, but now they are like 52 minutes each. Right. So yeah, it's, 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 it's an investment absolutely. of time, but uh, it was good. So that's that's kind of what I did over the break. I, I did much the same thing. I watched a lot of television. Katie, anything new that you want to? I tell didn't really. About? I was say, I didn't really. I don't have a Christmas break, really. Yeah, <laughs> we that's could, true. Well, I've been off from school, but you know, I've been. We work. We we, we did close a couple of days, well, but have, it's just been here. You work in the service industry. Mm-hmm. You really don't. Yeah, your restaurant is open. Yeah, we closed Christmas Eve, and we of course were closed Christmas Day because it was on Sunday, but. Well, I feel like we've talked about this already. It may be on the air. Stop me if we have. But there's a Netflix documentary, and you guys know that I have this strange affinity for true crime documentaries now. I can't imagine why. Look around. (laughs) Don't pick up the phone. Yes, that is probably the only real TV I watched during the break. Did everybody see that? That Did everybody scream at your fucking television set five minutes in? That wore me out. That whole entire thing. I felt like I had been dropped off of a 20-story building when that was over. Mm -hmm. I I kept having to research because I kept thinking this can't be true. It can't be true, right? But it is. But it is true. And I'm not going to say another word. Just watch it. When you finish this episode... Go, go watch. Don't pick yeah. up the phone. Don't pick up the phone. And it's not what you think. This no. is not some creepy. It's not terrifying. Uh, it's not terrifying. Teenage girl sense, alone so. in her house thing. Correct. Like the the old movie. Yeah. When a stranger calls. He's calling from inside. Yeah. House. It's not that. Yeah. It's completely different. Yeah. It's not what you think. It's a go lot dumber it. than that. Go watch and it. Really happened. Wow, should we just stop the whole thing right no, now? No, we shouldn't, but everybody has I feel like I need to go wash my hands. Homework. Homework. A lot. <laughs> a yeah. lot. Which is what Katie loves to hear since she's mm-hmm. in law school. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, so this week to to start season three, yeah. the bang, we gave Scott a, a lot of bang. homework Ugh. and said, here, I let's sit here do. with a clipboard full of pages of notes, and I'm old school, and that's how I roll. Yep, and we said, here, take this person and do this. And he was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So let's let's get to it, Scott. All right. Wait a minute. I have two shout-outs. Yes. Go. All right. So first of all, Mike O'Dell, the uh, mm. retiring district attorney here in District 9 mm-hmm. in the state of Alabama, which is Cherokee and DeKalb, County. DeKalb counties. He just retired. He was in season he one. Had, he was on our show uh, and did a great job. We are very uh, loving of Mike, and he mm-hmm. is going off to do other things now. And so a shout-out to Mike O'Dell, who was on the show and has been a great district attorney in this county for a long time. Happy retirement. Yes. And another guy, Henry Lohman. And all that I know about Henry Lohman is that he follows us on Facebook, and every time we post something, he likes it. Oh, So, you. Henry, if you're out there somewhere, uh, reach out, send us an email, let us know. A- a little bit more about you, but you seem like you're a fan of the show, or maybe you just have a an itchy trigger finger and you like everything. I don't know, but <laughs> reach out and let us know if that is not the case and you actually like the show because uh, everything that we post, Henry Loman enjoys. Well, thank you, Henry. So thanks, shout out. Thanks for being a fan. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, Scott. Let's do this. <sighs> this is a tough one. Unfortunately, if we are going to be a true crime podcast and we are going to ever increasingly complete a repertoire of true crimes, on occasion it is necessary to include a story that has been done to death. 
And so this week, we are going to talk about John Wayne Gacy and the 33 murders that he committed. So what are the bullet points about John Wayne Gacy? If you're a true crime fan, you know this. You've at heard, least on some you've heard the name. basic level. Mm-hmm. So here are, the, here, are the, here are the bullet points. Killer Clown. Chicago, 70s. Many of his victims were found buried in the crawl space beneath his house. At the time, no one had ever been charged with so many murders. And I mentioned Chicago, and we're going to start with that. Have you guys ever been to Chicago? Yes, I have not. Chicago, yes. Chicago, no. I love to travel. I've been to Chicago half a dozen times in my life. And it turns out that I once spent an entire day in the neighborhood where John Wayne Gacy lived. I didn't know it at the time. My ex-girlfriend and I were walking out of the hotel. We asked the concierge, hey, what's a good place to listen to some jazz music and have a few drinks? He said, there's this great bar. You get on the L, you take the uh, Lawrence stop on the red line, you walk 400 yards, and you'll be at the Green Mill. The Green Mill opened in 1907, and it was a place where in the 20s, Al Capone hung, he, he hung out there. Mm-hmm. They, they will show you the booth that he sat in where he could watch both doors uh, so nobody could kill him yeah. with their gun. Well, not in his back anyway. Yes. Um, there is absolutely no talking during the live jazz performances at the Green Mill. Wow. And they close every night at 1.11 a.m. Huh. On the nose. There are tunnels underneath the building that they used to use the mobsters back in Prohibition to move their liquor around, but you can't tour them, according to their website. But I didn't know that either at the time. But the Green Mill is two and a half miles from where John Wayne Gacy's house was in the 1970s. And I have no idea. You've been to this bar. I have been there. I've got a photograph that I will show you that we will share on Instagram if anybody wants to see it. You went to a green mill. You went to a non-talking bar. How did you manage? It was hard. (laughs) You guys know me too well. (laughs) Anyway, true crime fans that we are. So we but we've done Chicago several times on this show. We've done H. H. Holmes. We've talked about his murder house that was back in season one, the 1893 World's Fair. And he was a mass murderer at the time because nobody knew the term serial killer, which was not invented until the 80s, and we've discussed that as well on the show. And we've talked about prohibition and all that stuff. So a lot of crime in a big city like Chicago back in the day. Fast forward to 1966 on Chicago's South Side, and you will find mass murderer Richard Speck we have not discussed yet but we might want to put on our list (laughs) unless you guys think that what he did even is too grisly for this show and I would not argue Hmm. more to come on that yes and then to northwest Chicago in the 1970s John Wayne Gacy a modern day Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde if ever one existed on this fucking planet 
Lots of times when Gacy's victims get mentioned, they are reduced to little more than a mugshot from a newspaper clipping. And as a mediocre journalist, I can tell you that it, it's hard to deal with that. I mean, you're trying to get away with telling a story about 33 victims. It's hard to not reduce them to a name and an age and a physical description and a photo and a hometown. And a number. And victim, a number. Victim number one. Exactly. Number two. Yep. And there are still five of those 33 victims who have never been identified uh, as oh, of yesterday. Wow. wow. I looked it up yesterday. There's still five. And he families never, don't want to come forward. But he never. He didn't know their names. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Well, okay. All right. All of Gacy's victims were young men, teenagers. Mm-hmm. Most had led fairly typical lives until the time they crossed paths with the killer clown of Chicago. They were sons, brothers, students, boyfriends. Some of them were sex workers. Some of them were just errant kids mm-hmm. waiting for their next bus. And we're not going to tell you about all 33 of them, but we're going to tell you the stories about these victims because the story repeats itself over and over and over. The way that he found them, the way that he coerced them to come to his house. Gotcha. Okay. But before we do that, who was John Wayne Gacy exactly? He was born on St. Patrick's Day, 1942. Oh, he shares a birthday with Kelly. We have the same birthday. Except what year was he born? 1942. So he's he's four years older than you. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I didn't mean to hear that one. Yeah, everybody knows my age now. Yeah. Uh, No, she's much younger than that. Uh, He was the only son of a World War I veteran who was so happy to have a son. He had an older sister and a younger sister. So when John Wayne Gacy was born, he was named after the manliest man who ever lived. John Wayne. John Wayne. It the, was the big D. on the silver screen in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Sister Joanne was two years older and Sister Karen was two years younger, if you're keeping score at home. But that <laughs> does not come up again. John Stanley Gacy was a piece of shit. Is that his father? Yes. Okay. No matter what John Jr. did, it was never good enough for the old man. Never. How many, how many times have we heard that on this podcast? I know. It's Same thing. A, such a cliche. Throw in the fact that John Jr., I'm sorry, that John Sr. spent most of his evenings in the basement, drinking away the horrible images of the trenches of Western Europe in World War I. Ugh. Horrible. And the fact that John Jr. was born with an enlarged heart that kept him on the bleachers when the other kids in the neighborhood were playing baseball. And what you got was an unhealthy father-son relationship, to say the least. I'm not trying to make excuses for the man that John Wayne Gacy became. No, no. But we've talked about this many times on this show. We have. Many of our folks. It takes a lot of these horrible things to happen for somebody to realize that they're capable or to be pushed into what they do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're just trying to explain this. We're not trying to make excuses. Absolutely. A lot of kids get abused and they don't all grow up to be mass murderers. No. That's correct. But definitely John Wayne Gacy was abused by his father. So were his sisters. So was his mother. Her name was Marion. Doesn't matter. There's a story about one incident in the kitchen 
at the Gacy household, unprovoked outburst by Gacy Sr. that left Marion's teeth shattered. Oh my oh God. The kids screaming in the kitchen and a dinner plate lodged in the wall. Wow. In the plaster. The cops got called. There was a gun. John Sr. disappeared for a couple of days. And when he came back, everybody just pretended like it never happened. That's pretty much how it worked at the Gacy household. Oh, gosh. Living in fear? Of course. Living in fear. Why would you, why in the world would you call him out on it when he came back? exactly. John Jr. was beaten at age four by his father with a leather strap for innocently rearranging metal parts in the basement that his father had laid out to build something. But John's four and he's playing with the parts and he got him out of order. Ass whipping. Wow. At four. At four. And according to the stories, and I, I admire this about John Wayne Gacy, if nothing else. Oh, Lord. I know, it's, but he said, or his sister said that he never cried. He never got beaten by his father when he cried. He held it in. He. That sounds problematic in and like of itself. Red flag. Maybe so. But it, he didn't, he just, he was like, you're not going to beat me. You're not going to, you're not going to win this. I'm going to show you. Would he cry later? Maybe. But his sisters always said the one thing that they remembered about the beatings that he got was that he never cried. Oh, my gosh. Maybe he wasn't capable of crying. I I think that, yeah. Is that it? It's it's red flags flying. Yeah. For sure. All right. All right. Delete that. No, no, no. We're not deleting that. Okay. I'm just not so sure of it. I mean, I understand what you're saying about to me, it was it's it a was pride thing. A pride You're thing. not going You're to. You're not going to, you know, do this. But yeah. I'm thinking that it was more of a red flag. Maybe so. Thing. Because, yeah. you know, when you're a young kid like that, it's. Yeah, he's four, five, six water, years old. The waterworks just happen. Yeah. You know? So. But not with him. Yeah. According to his sisters. Okay. So that's. Mm. At age seven, John Jr. had a sexual experience with an older girl in the neighborhood that was not his fault. Okay. Well, oh. at seven. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah right. How old's the girl? I don't know, a few years older. And it's just, I don't want to say it's just kids playing around. No. Wondering what's going on in those parts of your body. But anyway, he got his ass beat for it. When dad found out, he got another leather strap. Okay. And then there was the man next door. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Who was building a house in the lot beside the Gacy's home. And he always wanted to take John Jr., to go get ice cream. Oh, no. And mom and dad let him go. Okay. John Jr. never wanted to go. Oh, Lord. And he said years later when he described this incident that the man would always put his head between his legs and tell him that they were wrestling. And so there's another scar that never healed. Yeah. Right? For sure. Again, we're not making excuses. We're just trying to make you, no. give you an explanation. Mm-hmm. Possibly. When uh, Gacy was eight, his mother found a paper bag full of her underwear hidden underneath the front porch of the house. John Jr. said that he just liked the feel of the garments. But Dad did not want to hear that excuse. Mm. Another beating. From that point on, John Jr. was a mama's boy and a sissy to dad. Oh, God. 
But heaven, that, heaven forbid. Right. You know, yeah. Like, but that particular beating did not stop John Jr. from continuing to enjoy his mother's undergarments. She just stopped telling dad about it because she didn't want to see him beaten again. Honestly, that's where Ron went. Like, why'd <clears throat> yeah. she tell him? The first time. The yeah. first time she did. But well, she you know you're married to a crazy man. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, I mean, I, I'm not going to. Yeah, I can't not, shame her. But. Yeah, I'm not going to do that to her. But that's another red flag. So, so far we've identified yeah. two red flags in young Gacy. Exactly. Years later, the chief psychiatrist for Gacy's defense would claim that his violent childhood was likely a motivating factor for his mental and emotional dysfunction as an adult. No shit, Dick yeah. Tracy. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in but case again, you didn't know where that was going. Yeah, but again, you've brought this up. There are people who've gone through the same thing, very similar sure. circumstances, and they never hurt anybody. Yeah. Well, there are people who fall off a ladder and don't get scared of heights, and there are other people who fall off a ladder. You're looking at one who has never climbed more than five feet off the ground again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everybody reacts differently to this sort of stimulus. Yes. And this is how John Wayne Gacy, unfortunately, reacted to his. Yeah. Although that same psychiatrist did say that he did not exhibit the three known markers of a serial killer. You guys want to take a shot at it? We've talked about them before. I had to look them up. All right, go ahead with it. Bedwetting. Okay. Setting fires. Cruelty down. Torturing small. That's the that's the only Those one are, I was. That's the three, uh, and that's called the McDonald Triad. There was a 1963 study into commonalities and possible red flags for future serial killers. And those are the three. And we've talked about temper and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we, when we talk about bedwetting, yeah. not, you know, every child has experienced bedwetting. When sure. you're trying to potty train. Or yeah. when you're learning to sleep through the night, you know, and, and you just... that It happens at different ages for different kids, but when we talk about bedwetting, it's it's... Prolonged and it's it's um they tend to be older. Yes, yeah. too old to be wetting the bed. Yes, 12, 13, child. 14. Yes. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. But Gacy did not have any of these. He didn't Correct. He did not exhibit those three okay. red flags uh, of a potential future serial killer. Okay. And sure enough, after all of this happened, John Jr. did become a mama's boy. He stayed away from dad as much as possible. Hell, everybody in the family did. Well, I, I really Everybody stayed away that. from dad. Yeah. Uh, he spent, uh, John Sr. spent most of his time in the off-limits to everyone else basement, drinking his life away one bottle at a time. Whenever John Sr. bothered to stumble up the stairs, everyone in the room was either dumb or stupid or some combination of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you were lucky, it was just the verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. Years later, while he was sitting on death row waiting for the lethal injection of chemicals that would take his life at the age of 52, Gacy still had nothing negative to say about the one man who never once had anything positive to say about him. Wow. Still wouldn't trash talk his name. <clears throat> I never hated my father, Gacy said. I could never please him, but I still loved him. My way to remember my dad was to not be like him. Well, well mission okay. accomplished. Yeah, I've been digging. Yeah. Oh, wow. At age 11, John Jr. was struck in the head by a swing set in a neighborhood playground 
And for years after that, he suffered occasional blackouts. But John Sr. wasn't buying that. Mm. He was faking it. He was trying to get out of school. He was lazy. He was a mama's boy. Okay, so there's a third red flag. Bingo. We have identified. We're running out of red flags. Anybody out there who makes red flags, send us another batch because we are out. We're out. Did we not talk about another serial killer who had a head injury? I think so, but I can't remember who it is. I thought yeah. that too. We've talked about this before, but yeah. we'll, we'll figure that yeah. out. But. but Gacy was 16 before doctors figured out that he had a blood clot oh my God. on his brain mm. because of that swing set hit. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they cured him in, but... He had the heart condition that I mentioned, and he had these fainting spells. So Gacy pretty much spent his entire life as a hypochondriac. He always thought something was wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Well, Again, no excuse, but just another brick in the wall. I mean, there kind of was. Yeah, there right? was. Yeah. Absolutely. So Gacy, uh, he got a little bit older, and he sort of seemed to find an even keel. As a teenager, he did well in science class. And earned the respect of his other students and the teachers. He was always a hard worker. It's one of the things that you will hear anybody who knew him as, a, as an adult say. He always worked really hard. He was always nose to the grindstone doing the next thing. One high school friend even said that Gacy was a fantastic singer. Nothing ever came of that, obviously. But just, you know, the it's guy just, had talents. He just, it's just took the weird. wrong path. Because, you know, when you associate, when you hear John Wayne Gacy, you always associate the bad. I know. And and I'm not trying to say he was good at all, but it's just weird to hear that he was a good singer. I know. Do you hear that? No. But, you know, we've we've had those couple of killers who sang in the courtroom. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Good point. That guy wasn't that great. The screen guy. Danny Rowling. (laughs) Not a good singer. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. But he did try. He tried. He did try. Absolutely. Uh, when other boys John's age were dipping their toes into the dating pool, he was working odd jobs, busy all the time. Uh, he was involved in local politics at a young age, even. Uh, he, was in his, he was the assistant precinct captain in his neighborhood, sort of like a, a junior mayor. Okay. Random. Yeah. Uh, which antagonized his father. To no end, because to John Sr., anybody who was in politics was a crook. And so that made John Jr. think, oh, if Dad hates it, it's got to be a good idea. (laughs) So all through his life, he was involved in politics, John Jr. was. There are no excuses for the way that John Jr. turned out, but I'm just trying to give you guys a little bit of a background. And I feel like a lot of things don't do. There's a really good Netflix series. It's called... uh, the the murder tapes or the uh it, it it's a lot of it has conversations with John Wayne Gacy that were taped by his attorneys after he was arrested mm-hmm. but before he was convicted and it's on Netflix and it's really insightful there's a lot of good information there did they do the same with um uh Dahmer Bundy Bundy, Bundy. with Ted yes. Bundy yeah. There are two or three episodes, uh, or two or three different documentaries mm. that have the same title. Okay. Yes, yeah, like the, okay. the murder tapes I've, of Ted Bundy. I heard, I heard tapes of Ted Bundy. The Ted Bundy's, but yeah. I, I think yeah, that made me sick enough to not continue. It's very insightful just to learn how this guy took. Mm-hmm. And I know that the story is not about John Wayne Gacy, it's about his victims, but 
I want to do. I wanted to do it a little bit differently today and introduce you to this person. But I've, so I you can understand who he was. I know the story of John Wayne Gacy's crimes and and that sort of thing. And I've already learned some things today that I did not know. So oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so this is kind of you know <clears throat> learning a little bit of something. And again, I know you've said this, and I don't think we need to say it again after this. We're not making excuses for him. We're right. just getting the story know, yeah. of John Wayne Gacy. This is his story yes. right now. Yeah. So. Fast forward to when John Wayne Gacy is 19 years old. He's had enough of dad. Wow. He has, he's bought a, I know, right? I'm glad, he, uh, I'm glad it, you know, it, it was like, um, finally. Never. Yeah. Yeah. So he's bought a car and his dad has convinced him, look, you can buy this crappy car with the money that you've saved, or you can buy a nicer car that I will loan you the money for, but you have to pay me back. So it's just another episode, another instance of John Sr. putting his thumb on John Jr. Mm-hmm. But he falls. He, he he's like, okay, fine. But after John Jr. falls one payment behind, Dad threatens to take the car away. And so John Jr. throws a bag in the back, doesn't even tell anybody he's leaving, and drives to Vegas okay. from Chicago. And Route 66 begins in Chicago. I have seen the sign that says, beginning of scenic Route 66. I've got a photo of it. In my photo album, it starts right there. It's right there on uh, uh, Michigan Avenue at the corner of Jackson, I think, Boulevard. So he jumps on his Route 66, and he drives to Vegas. Okay. Takes him three days to get there. He leaves with $136. He's got 25 bucks. By the time he has a bad experience in one of the Fremont Street casinos. So he falls asleep in the car because he can't afford a, a hotel room. And a Las Vegas police officer sees him in the car and thinks he's distressed, calls an ambulance. Mm. John can't afford to pay for the ambulance. But that turns out to be fortuitous because after he gets to the hospital and everything's over, he goes back to the ambulance service and says, hey, look, let me pay you back for this ambulance ride. They give him a job. And ends up getting him another job. So he's in Vegas for three months at age 19, but he finally gets homesick again, and he wants to go back home. So he calls mom, and mom says, yeah, dad says you can come back home. So he comes back home. But he didn't want to. He was just... I mean, he, he's homesick, but he doesn't want to go back. Right. Okay. So he gets a job. And here's another thing about Gacy. He's a, he's a salesman. One of his biographers called him a con artist. He was so influential, he could just talk... Anybody in anything. Well, I mean, he, he had Obviously. to have this trait yes. to have so many victims. So he got a job selling shoes at a department store. And within a few months, he was the manager of the department store's shoe department. That's just that's who John Gacy was. Yeah, he could be very charming. Yes. Uh, and so he moved to Springfield, Illinois, when he got a promotion. And that's where he met his first wife. Her name was Marilyn. Uh, she was the daughter of a very wealthy businessman. Two years later, in 1966, Gacy's new father-in-law buys three Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants. And they weren't KFC fast food places at the time. It was a big go-in-and-sit-down-eat-at restaurant. I didn't know that. Yeah. But he needed somebody to manage them. And so John Wayne Gacy got the job. Father-in-law didn't like son-in-law. Oh, he did not like No. John Wayne Gacy said that 
my father-in-law was almost as bad as my real father. Another piece of crap that I could never please, that I could never satisfy in my entire life. Hmm. But he loved his wife, and they had two kids together. Okay. Um, And that was in 1966, and John Wayne Gacy was 24 years old. Two years later, he had managed to lose it all. And we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. This episode of True Crime on Easy Street is brought to you by the Chamber. Reminding you to shop local. Scott, where's your favorite place to shop? My favorite place in Cherokee County to shop is probably at Model D's Screen Printing and Custom Embroidery since I work there. But they do a fantastic job, and so does every other business in Cherokee County. We have so many. And that's so what many. the Chamber is very good at promoting. We have so many wonderful small businesses here. And what they do is they will put money back into your community. They sponsor your teams, your clubs, your groups. They buy your tickets, your Boston butts, whatever you're selling. Uh, chances on a motorcycle for chance. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when you shop local, you're giving money to those businesses that directly help. Right back are. into the community. Absolutely. So please remember. Shop local Cherokee County. Teresa and Joy do a fantastic job at the Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce and Tourism. Check them out on the website and shop local. So you guys know that one of the sponsors of our True Crime podcast is the Cherokee Post-Herald. And we are conducting a subscription drive. We're doing the Bull Hard Cash Contest. And we don't have a winner yet. Most of the bowl games will have been played, except for the championship, yep, by the time people one. hear this. Yep. But we've got dozens of entries. We're going to score those sheets after next week's bowl game, and we will announce the winner of the Bowl Hard Cash Contest exclusively at True Crown on Easy Street. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I know. And if nobody calls in a week and that means they didn't listen, then we will call them. <laughs> we are going to initially announce the winner exclusively next week right here on this podcast so bull hard cash 500 bucks thanks everybody for playing good luck and guys our final sponsor of this week's episode is easy street and this week going on at easy street tuesday night as always is bingo wednesday night we have our open mic night thursday night is trivia friday night we have jason cameron and saturday night is scott thompson so, come on out and see us. Jason and Scott are two fantastic uh, musical artists. If you don't have anything else to do, and even if you do, cancel it and come and do that anyway. Definitely. They're awesome. All right, and welcome back to True Crime on Easy Street. Scott, how did he lose it all? John Wayne Gacy was... 24 years old in 1966, he had moved to Waterloo, Iowa. That's where the KFC restaurants were located. He uh, got hired as the manager by his father-in-law. He's married. He's got two kids. He's got a good job. But like I said a minute ago, his father-in-law doesn't like him. Dad knew something was weird about this guy. He (laughs) said years later, right? Something's not sitting right Something about. is weird with this guy. Mm-hmm. You guys know what the JCs is? I had to look this up. No. It's a it's a it's a it's like the Rotary Club or the Lions Club, but it's the JCs. It used to be called the Junior Chamber of Commerce. In nineteen fifty, mm-hmm. there were three hundred thousand 
people in the country that were members of the JCs. Okay. And it was for young adults ages 18 to 40 who wanted to get involved in their communities. So it's just okay. a, a civic group. It was like a civic group. Okay. Now it barely exists anywhere. There's a chapter in Mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fell by accident. There used, there used to, be, to be everywhere. Well, there used to be a chapter around here somewhere that did a haunted house because I remember the, the, the JCs haunted, haunted house. house. Okay, yeah. yeah. That sounds familiar, but I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah. but that was years ago. It used to be a really big thing. And so John Wayne Gacy got involved in the okay. JCs in Waterloo, Iowa. As a lot of business, young business managers do, yeah. that's mm-hmm. not uncommon. It, I mean, it's, it's, like I said, it's called the Junior Chamber of Commerce. I mean, what do you do when you open up a new business here in Cherokee County? You join the Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce yes. and Tourism. Glad to have them as a sponsor. Yes. But, you know, that gets you involved in the community, and you know what's going on. And they have a monthly breakfast. And so I'm guessing the JCs was pretty much the same way. Mm-hmm. Hang on, though. Curveball coming. Okay. So... John Wayne Gacy was fantastic at recruiting new members to the JCs in Waterloo Island. Oh no! Oh yeah, uh, alcohol and pornography. Well, they called them stag films at the time. We call it porn today. But he would have events in his basement. He would invite people over, and they would plow them with alcohol and strippers and stag films. And get you to sign up to join the JCs. So they just have a bunch of men in a basement drinking beer and watching porn? I know. It sounds terrific, right? <laughs> that's that's, that's a weird, weird, yeah. Right. I didn't know that porn was something that, that grew. That's it's not. That's a, no, it's, a, a, a party never, favor? I have never in my life watched porn with a group of people. <laughs> okay, well, that's... <laughs> you're maybe, learning more about Scott every day. Yeah, that's that a, no, that's not too much information, but it's... It, 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 solidifies what I was saying. Yeah. I and mean, that's another red flag to me. Come on now. Yeah, we're, group porno We are out of previews. red flags at this point. Good and, I, and listen, there's five more coming. Okay. Anyway, so the JC's thing was something. Hold up. I'm stuck on this. Like, <laughs> what do you say uh-huh. when you're sitting in a basement watching porn with yeah. somebody? Like, what do you turn to the person and say to them? Because they're like, like, hey, you, you ready to know. join the JC's <laughs> now? Yeah. I mean, like, Having never done it myself, I have no I don't even, I have no How answer for that. did those conversations go? I yeah. mean, the strippers makes sense, but like. Yeah, having strippers in the basement. Yeah. Like, I'm not, okay, whatever. That's, you know, that's a, that's a part. I, know, I, I guess it's like having the game on. The TV the in the game corner, the and nobody's TV. paying attention, but it's there. I mean, I, I can't imagine that it was bragging. a quiet room and everybody and sat around talking. theater style and critiqued the film. Are you just bragging that you have these pornos like in your possession? That's, that was like, kind of the is thing. it like a heart because like you didn't just have the internet where you could just pull up whatever you right. want? Yeah, I've got access to this stuff. I've got alcohol. The strippers are in the back. Sign up for the JC's one. The porno is on the TV. Sign up to be a community member. Being Look, this I don't know. I wasn't there, but I think you're getting to the crux of this. I'm just really uh, stuck on this detail, and I know I need to move on. It's weird. But that's okay. I'm, that's, no, I like it. I mean, I don't like it, but <laughs> I mean, it's happening, so I may as well deal with it. I just, I'm so interested in knowing what kinds of conversations were being had. Well, it was a good career like, move. I mean, you think about the conversation that you're having about the JCs. Oh, this is what we do. And then you think about a porno being on the TV in the background with the volume up. I think maybe, I'm just guessing because I've never done it either. Maybe it was just, it really was just an accoutrement to the rest of the room. You just had something playing in the back 
with the volume down. It was just it was Let's hope the it was a, it was a room full of guys. Let's hope the volume was down. Yeah, it was just a room full of guys, and maybe at the time that was just you know uh, window dressing in this room where you were talking about the JCs and having alcohol and I don't know. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I need to move on. That's fine. You're right. Okay. All right. So Gacy was big in the JCs, and that got him involved in the local community, and it got him involved in politics. He gave away a lot of free chicken from the restaurant, which was a needle in father-in-law's I was, side. I was about to say, father-in-law's yeah. not happy with that. But that's one of the things that he used to help his JC prowess, Gacy Jr. And a lot of the JC members, you, you go back and read the books that I have read uh, in the last, God, it's been four or five weeks that I've been working on this. It's been a minute. It's been a, it's we been kicked a long it down time. the street. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, a lot of the JC said, look, he was he was a terrific guy. He was a great member of the group. Some of them said he was a loudmouth. He was a braggart. He had sort of the uh, big man complex. He wanted everybody to know how important he was. Mm-hmm. And he, so he bragged like that. But and one biographer said that he was a con artist, that he could sell anything to anybody. Definitely. So you're getting yeah. this guy. You're, you're starting to form an image of what this guy mm-hmm. did. He received a pin from the JCs for signing up 60 new members in 1967. And even better, he got a compliment from his father, who had come to visit from Chicago. And when he saw that John had a successful life and a family and a good job and was a pillar of the community, he got the only compliment that he ever got from his dad. But what nobody noticed about Gacy yet was his tendency to hire teenage boys to work at his Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants. Mm. That same basement became a haven for his employees. Girls were excluded. They weren't allowed. But if you were a teenage boy and you worked at one of John Gacy's KFC restaurants in Waterloo, Iowa in the 60s, you had a free reign. You could come over and drink. And alcohol, alcohol was legal for what age in the sixties? Was it eighteen and up? I would, I would, I don't know when it was twenty one. Was it Reagan president when they made twenty one? But so, but still, that was eighties. A lot of these employees are still too young to be drinking. Sure, of course. Okay, wait. There's another red flag. Yes. Oh. But he invites them over, and the girls aren't allowed. And you can come over and hang out as long as you want. Don't tell mom and dad. But I have a secret basement hideout where you guys can come hang out when you're not working. Okay, look, just public service, everybody. Come on now. No one has a secret basement hideout that is safe for you to go to and do things that you're not supposed to do. Yeah. No one has this. And if they do... And if they do... Go the other direction. Yes. Yes, please. Don't go to the basement, the, the... the carport, the yeah. shed, the whatever it is, and do things you're not supposed to do. Just don't do it. Correct. And so the clock continued to tick on John Wayne Gacy's perfect life. His carriage turned into a pumpkin on May the 10th, 1968, when detectives from the Waterloo Police Department came knocking on his door and arrested him for sexually assaulting a teenage boy. The charge was sodomy, Mm, which is kind of a catch-all phrase. Yes. 
So all the hard work that he had done for the JCs. Yeah, that will ruin your JCs career, your management, everything. That turned into a big mistake because the first boy that he was alleged to have done something inappropriate with was the 15-year-old son of one of his fellow JC members. Oh. That kid ended up in Gacy's basement with a stag reel playing on the screen and his pants around his ankles. So, Gacy's not very smart. It's, it's so crazy. He seems like he's very smart, but when he gets into this Mr. High mode... Mm-hmm. When the eyes go black... He just doesn't think ahead. And, and that is very, very menacing about how he in, ends up getting caught. Now that's been uh, that's been reported by <clears throat> yeah. um, someone. That's how he gets caught Gacy, eventually. They, his eyes went black yeah. when this would happen. It was like a switch was flipped. Well, that's why he tried the insanity defense, right? Okay, we'll yeah. get into that next week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's that whole that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's how he tried to get away with it. Wow. So Gacy gave that kid 50 bucks to keep his mouth shut. But that kid eventually told his dad about it. And that got the police involved. And it was another kid that he had done the same thing with that got him arrested in May of 68. Because that kid's dad was even a bigger bigwig in the JCs than Gacy was. So that gets the cops involved, and then there's an arrest. And as then, there should be. Yes, yeah. as there should be, certainly. Um, so the second sexual assault got him arrested in May of 68, like I said. By December of 68, he was sentenced to, he thought he was going to get probation, because who cares? It's just a kid, and it's just sex in the 70s, right? In the 60s. Oh, That's what he thought. Yeah. Mm. He got 10 years. Good. In state prison. Now, we all know that he did not spend 68 to 78 in a state prison, or we would not be sitting here today. Right. But within just a couple of weeks of that sentence being handed down, wife files for divorce. Uh, uh, yes. John Wayne Gacy never saw his two kids again. Good. For as long as Good. Never. Good. So, we're going to get a little bit more into Gacy's prison stint next week. Mm-hmm. But right now, what you need to know is this. He was a model prisoner for the two years that he spent at the Anamosa State Penitentiary in Iowa. Before long, he was running the prison kitchen. Remember, he's managed KFC restaurants. Mm -hmm. He is running the show for the entire time that he's there. Everybody likes the guy. He's charming everybody. Yes, he's bullshitting everybody about Mm. why he's there. Everybody has, and then the and I'm sure it was a mistake. Well, he can't say that he sodomized a boy because they would beat his ass. Yeah. So he it's some he makes up something about pornography, Mm -hmm. illegal possession of pornography. So if anything, it makes him look cool. Yeah. And then, but then you got the guards, and I guess they're just forgetting because they know why he's in there. Sure. And I, so I, guess. I guess he's just charming everybody to the point where they're forgetting yeah. that he sodomized two boys. Right. Wow. And he continues his JC's recruitment efforts and wins an in- award for that while in prison. I'm assuming without the alcohol and the pornography. How did the big wig allow this to happen in JC's? I don't know. Did he just join another Another chapter? A I prison chapter? chapter? I think he created. <laughs> A prison chapter of the JC. Oh, wow. good. Just wow. How? He's working the system. 
Oh. I mean, this the, is, is the, this why the JCs is not around anymore? Maybe so. You could you could literally create a and, prison. Yeah. Center. In the Netflix documentary, it talks about how uh, influential he was while he was the cook at the prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if you wanted you have a if lot you wanted raptors in your food, piss yeah. him off. Yeah, I was about to say you have a lot of power. Yeah. And the food was really good. Everybody loved the food at the prison. I mean, come on. I don't know that I've ever heard a statement like that uttered. Everybody loved the food at the prison. I know, yeah, probably not. (laughs) No, never. No, never. Strike that. No. No, I mean. That's golden right there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so two years go by, and he's out. Daisy is out. Charms his way right out. He gets out. That happened in. Two things happened in June of 1970. Okay. I turned three months old, mm. and John Wayne Gacy walked out of prison a free man. Oh, good. It's completely unrelated. I know. <laughs> let's hope. Yeah, let's hope. All right. So he moved. They let him do his, uh, they let him serve his parole yeah. in Chicago. They let him move across state lines into Illinois, back where he's from. He moves in with his mother. Oh. Now, Gacy's father had died. While he was in prison. Okay, so that's why he was able to move him. That was a huge sticking point, and and I'll touch on that a little bit next week, and we're we're wrapping this up. Gacy got a job as a cook in a restaurant downtown in Chicago in the Loop, right, called Bruno's. Very close to the Greyhound bus terminal in Chicago. a hunting ground. Yes. It was a five-story building. They tore it down in 1989. When they built it in the 50s, it was it was as big as a city block. It was five stories tall. If you've ever been into Grand Central Terminal in New York, imagine something like that except for buses instead of trains because buses were the way to get around mm-hmm. in the 50s and 60s. It was starting to sort of decay in the 70s. Uh, the place it turned into, it was a commercial area in the afternoons, but at night... The area was overrun with junkies, sex workers, muggers, vagrants, and most notably for the purpose of our story, teenage runaways. Hmm. So Gacy patrolled this area. He pretended to be a police officer sometimes. Drove a black car with a spotlight. Had a, had a badge that he would flash at people and say, hey, I'm a cop, get in the car. He wanted to have sex, random sex, with young boys. That was his thing. He was actually arrested in June of 1971 after he got to Chicago for impersonating a police officer and sexual battery. But to sing the first verse of a song that we will all know by heart sooner than later. Unfortunately, at that time in this country, if there was a sex crime involving two men, the police did not care. So those charges were soon dropped. Mm -hmm. By the beginning of 1972, Gacy's parole was over. His criminal record had been sealed. He was 30 years old and engaged to be married to his second wife. But he still had that urge to have sex with young men. On January the 2nd of 1972, he could no longer contain that urge. For years after the killer clown was caught, detectives working the case called Gacy's first murder victim, the boy on the Greyhound bus, because that's the way Gacy referred to him, because he never bothered to learn his name. 
our listeners will not have to wait quite as long to hear the rest of that story because we will do it all for you next week. It's like you know this is coming. We know the story. Yeah. You know how it ends. But we just see this. We're just I like, learned so much. Oh, we're that just I did getting to this and we're like, can we just press pause and yeah. erase? Keep this from happening. But I know. yeah. Uh, Scott, you did a fantastic job today. Thank you so much. I look forward to learning the rest of everything next I'm not week. coming back next week. And getting, no. and getting the uh the You haven't been fired yet. Legal. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to break down the legal part because one of the best parts of the story is is yeah. the, the, the trial because yeah. they go for the insanity defense. I don't want to spoil anything, but Katie's going to mop that up for us next week. But it's that's the best part of the story to me. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be uh, very enlightening. Um, follow us on Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter. Visit truecrimeoneasystreet.com. What else? I think you got it all. Awesome. Katie? Give us a re- leave us a review, five star review on Apple, uh, Apple that? iTunes Thank podcast, whatever. Oh Lord, yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>